Welcome back to The Human Exception. This week, we will continue our talk about unusual missing persons cases. Nathan will start us off with Ryan Stuka, a 20-year-old living and working in Sun Peaks, who disappeared within a matter of minutes on his way home from a house party. Then Hallie will tell us all about Jacob Gray, who would go missing in the Olympic National Forest, leaving behind his bike trailer full of camping gear and supplies. As always, prepare for some foul language. Time to get ready for another human exception. I guess I Who's a, who a cheery missing person story? I was going to say, mine's a bummer too. So like, yeah, <laughs> so is mine. Oh, These are missing okay. people stories. So I they're going to be a bummer. This is your idea, Hallie. <laughs> Listen, I didn't say it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Go all right. for it. Do it. Yeah, all right. Uh, so our story, uh, and it's, this is going to be kind of a, this is going to be a little short. Um, there's not a lot of information on it. And just so you guys are aware, the story is still pretty fresh. Um, this person only went missing three years ago. Um, he was a young man by the name of Ryan, uh, Oh god, I'm going to butcher this last name, Stuka. Um he grew up in a small town out in uh out in Alberta. Um central Alberta probably uh in I say probably um from the small town of Beaumont, Alberta. This place is about 18,000 people, so not a huge place. Uh, and it is a couple kilometers south of maybe maybe about a mile and a half south of the um, of the capital of Alberta, Edmonton. Um, your kind of typical rural-ish city. He was well known uh, around uh, around the city, um, just kind of in the in the high school, known as a, your typical good kid who'd always be willing to willing to help out, and obviously, by the sounds of it, had the most supportive parents in the world. So uh, Ryan, when he turned twenty, decided that he was going to come out to BC and do what a lot of younger folks do work at out and come out west either to bam for jasper or you know whistler um or in this case sun peaks which is a small ski community uh in the heart of the okanagan valley uh, which is where i grew up i was like is he gonna work at a ski hill or is he gonna plant trees <laughs> he's working at a ski hill uh, oh, yeah. so he went, to, uh, he went to Sun Peaks. 
which is a little bit northeast of Kamloops uh, here in BC. It is a tiny ski village of about 750 people that uh, that live there on the regular. During the season, uh, during like mid-season, they see about 4,000 population per day, like people coming in and out. During peak seasons, during the winter, it's about 7,500 people that come to Sun Peaks um, that you would see on average throughout the winter. So Ryan showed up uh, December 1st of 2017. And because it was so soon after moving, you know, his parents were like, hey, do you want to do you want to come out for Christmas? Uh, We got everything for you. You know, we'll we'll pay for your your round back. And he's like, you know, no, I just got here. I made some new friends. I'm going to chill and have Christmas here. And so, you know, his parents who had encouraged him to go out and and enjoy his his early 20s and take the time to. To, you know, get out and explore the world. Before kind of figuring his life out and settling down. Like, yeah, you know what? Okay. You know, when you have the time to come out, we'll just do a small Christmas when you when you get back. It's it's totally fine. Um so he spent he spent Christmas out there with his friends as uh, as one would. And on the sixteenth of February, so like Two months later, basically, um, he finishes up his his work. Uh, he's well known in the area. Uh, his boss is already kind of giving him the thumbs up. Like he's always on time. He's a good worker. The the customers really like him. Um, so there's no issues. Like uh, he decides to go out with his roommates to a party just a two minute walk down the road. And at about two o'clock in the morning, his roommate heads home and notices that Ryan is also putting on his shoes and gathering his coat to go home. Roommate heads out, doesn't wait for him, but halfway through the walk notices that Ryan isn't following him. And you know, okay, well, maybe maybe he just took a little longer leaving or or whatever. Well, Ryan doesn't show up at home later that night. Uh, so the last time anyone saw him was around two ten in the morning. Um, not too long before that, there was a picture taken of him at the party um with uh with a with a pint of beer uh and this this image that i found of him was actually on uh the r last images subreddit 
Um, it is the last. Oh, that's so creepy. That subreddit. Right. Or like haunting, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it is the last photo that anyone had of this guy, of of this guy from that party, not like an hour before kind of thing. He went missing. Um, big smile, big, big glass of beer. Um, but yeah, he didn't make it home that night. There was a rumor that somewhere in the, in the village center that there was someone that kind of looked like him that got into like an altercation with someone else, but there was no proof that it was actually him. Uh, all of his friends sort of messaging around and asked, Hey, you know, where's Ryan? Didn't make it back home. All of us are back here from the party, but he's not. And everyone knew the next day when he was supposed to show up to his shift, when he didn't, that something was super wrong. Um, however, there was no information. Nobody saw him after he got his shoes and his jacket. Nobody saw him leave or outside of the place. And it's just a two-minute walk from where the party was to his house. So the uh, RCMP um, and Kamloops Search and Rescue have done uh, three formal searches uh, that include canine units, ground searches, air searches, drone searches with infrared cameras, snowmobiles, dog teams, metal detectors, avalanche probes, and there has been a bunch of volunteer searches and nothing has shown up. And oh my God. Right? <sighs> Two minutes? Two I'm sorry. I was like groaning the entire time. Just I realized the mic wasn't on. I'm like, that's probably a good thing. But are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it like, well, how, how ski villages are basically set up where everyone's living. If you're working there, you're probably anywhere from like two to ten minutes from where you're living from wherever the party is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's just so little room for oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. It yeah, it, and it's insane. Like there's they found nothing. And his parents right away uh started working with um obviously the local authorities uh they put up a five thousand dollar reward for anyone that can give information to find him gosh uh that reward has since grown to fifteen thousand dollars uh they have a um they have a website specifically dedicated to helping find or figuring anything out. Um, there is even a, uh, I think, I think Peaks and Valleys is a, I'm not sure if Peaks and Valleys is the 
is the actual sort of documentary specifically about it. But uh, Peaks and Valleys, The Search for Ryan uh, Stuka is a small uh, YouTube documentary with information on on the situation. But they have been going nonstop, obviously, since he's been missing. Because there's really nothing that has come up. There's been no information to really give anyone anything. Um, there is also a uh, an FAQ on the website. Uh, plenty of people have come come in and asked, you know, what tools are you using? Is there anything I could do to help? Can I donate? Have you tried to track his cell phone, social media, banking transactions? Um, do you have posters? Uh, and then one of the questions is, um, and I and I really appreciate this. Uh, it is I'm a medium, intuitive, psychic, seer, or I know of one. Can I contact the family? Um, and it turns out that their family is already in contact with some people that they are comfortable with when it comes to that. Mm. Um, but so. It, this is sort of the, the the start of where I was going with this, and I eventually went down the whole rabbit hole as we sort of discussed last week. Um, I'm not going to go completely down the rabbit hole; uh, just about halfway. The other half we can have the discussion on a different uh, topic or different different episode. Um, so when I was looking at uh, at Ryan's disappearance and fact that like it just seemed so weird and there was so little like you said hallie there was just so little room for anything to really happen like you just don't know when or why or or where this person would have gone um i started looking up the uh, the fact sheets for canada's missing people and our fact sheets are broken up between adults and children and our last set of information that I have been able to find is from 2019. Now in 2019, we had a little over 72,000 people reported missing in Canada. That's children and adults together. 40,000 of them, for 40,400 of them, were children. I'm sorry. Oof. What? Oh my yeah. God. So this is reported cases, though. Okay. Right. Right. Jesus. 30,000 of those were reported runaways. Oh my god. Yeah. So kids running away from home. Um So the facts on these reports, uh 63% of the 
the children and youth reports were removed within 24 hours, mm. meaning they were found something was resolved in some way. Uh, 93% of them were re- removed within a week. Which means that a little under 3,000 left over had no resolution. Gosh. Yeah. Just gone. Just gone. Damn. Um, surprisingly enough, uh, the amount that you would expect for, you know, being abducted by a stranger Mm -hmm. uh, or a parent or a relative, those numbers are really, really low. Um, Like less than, less than a hundred almost. A lot just wandering off and a lot being like, no, fuck you. I'm going to run away. Uh, And then a surprisingly large amount of unknown. Um, Which is weird. That maybe those are the ones that that would actually, oh, nope, nope, that wouldn't track at all. Um, Around 8,000 in the unknown category. And then whatever other means. Um, which doesn't really have a classification of things that they group in. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to adults, uh, 32,000, uh, about 32,700, a little more than that, were reported missing. Uh, again, trafficking, um, abduction by relatives, parents, so on. Um, or other people, abduct, abductions in general, uh, really, really low. Uh, obviously, runaways, not too high, about 5,000 people. <clears throat> um, but a large amount of unknowns, about two-thirds of that population is just unknown. I mean, obviously, if you're an adult and you disappear, that's on you. You don't really have to explain yourself. Um, and then about 3,500 just wander off. The ground just, just swallows them up. Yeah, kind of. They just decide, oh. all right, I'm done. I'm out. Bye. Not telling anyone where I'm going. Right. Yeah. And in a similar vein uh, to the kids, 62% of missing adult reports are usually closed off within 24 hours, mm-hmm. 90% within the week, which leaves again around uh, a little over 3,000 that are just unaccounted for, that are left open. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, and I and I thought I would have thought like 
you know, um, human trafficking or whatever would have accounted for more. Mm-hmm. And maybe it does, but that's sort of falling under the unknown category in the in the unresolved situation. Right. But yeah, surprisingly enough, um it doesn't it doesn't seem like out of the known cases of what's going on abductions are it it doesn't seem like abductions um are huge. Yeah, it's not the predominant. No. No, and and by a large factor it's not, right? Like right. it's um it most people just apparently just want to fuck off. Um not that I can't sympathize with that. Um <laughs> Listen, we've all had that dream, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It um and and so like this this whole thing of like just you go somewhere and you're like, Hey, I just want to, I just want to meet new people. I want to do something new. And then not even a full three months later, gone. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's poor parents. Oh my God. Right. Oh yeah. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of theories out there, and I mean, most of the theories are like, oh, well, maybe he did end up getting into a fight with someone, or you know, maybe he just wandered off, or whatever. Like, all the theories are all of the things that they kind of account for. And also, it's it was midwinter. Sun Peaks gets a fuck ton of snow. And like, all those people knew what snow was like. This this kid was from the middle of fucking Alberta, <laughs> where it gets, you know, negative forty degrees Celsius. Um, oh, thank you. He's he's not. He's definitely not going to be an idiot about making sure he's set up for the weather. Right. Yeah, because that'll kill you. Right. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, it probably not as bad at Sun Peaks. Generally, yeah, yeah, our winters here don't get as rough as the plains. Yeah, it's fucking crazy over there. But, but still, yeah, you know, there's going to be feet of snow uh, to get lost in, and I find it, I find it difficult to believe that he would have wandered off into the snow and something bad like that would have happened, but I just, I don't know. I I don't, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dang. Someone, someone that understands the elements, I just can't, can't see them just disappearing off into the right. snow like that. Yeah. In, in a, in a, it, it, I don't even know how to phrase this. It always surprises me when so many people go missing in a modern era where communication is not a problem most of the time. Hmm. Yeah. 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 It's like it's like hard to 
get completely lost these days. Yeah. Yep. And yet it still happens. Yeah, quite a bit. It, it but, And the kids thing really is... It's like you were saying, Nathan, if an adult fucks off, then, you know, there's going to be questions and there's going to be people who are who are hurt and want answers. But a kid. Yeah. Just disappearing. Oh, yeah. 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 That's. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. Rough. And like we we have the Amber Alerts and we have all right. of these things. Right. However. And I'm not sorry for saying this, but there are fucking pricks out there who complain when the Amber Alerts like wake them up at 530 in the morning for a missing kid. If you complain about that, you're a fucking horrible human being and I don't fucking care what you say. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) fire. But yeah, we have so much technology it is still crazy that we that people go missing um, like this. We just need to chip our kids like we do our pets. <laughs> I mean, Low isn't jack them. The, isn't that what the, the vaccine we're getting is for? Five G. <laughs> Bill Gates, five G. <laughs> oh my god, I can't even. <laughs> Uh, we should we should do an episode where we like take some ridiculous theories like five E kills us and try and prove it. Oh my Mythbusters. god! We'll yeah, try. we'll just that or you get uploaded to uh, what's the the SpaceX Starlink? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Maybe we'll get more views that way. <laughs> Um, listen to us. Be the first podcast oh, hosted oh, on Starlink. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, amazing. That's messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh okay. my god. Okay. No one let me pick topics anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 foreboding. Oh don't, don't worry, we still got lots of gen stuff to do. It's super cheerful. God damn it. And I've been I've been putting together a oh. lot for the for the JW stuff. So oh my we're gonna God. have a, we're gonna have a couple like, episodes for that. It's gonna be a thing. Okay. Yeah. Batten down the hatches, kids. Put on your helmets. <laughs> after after you, Hallie. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty. Well. Okay. Since you were talking about statistics on people who go missing, of course, I went to the FBI's website and looked. Um, So I'm in the U.S. And in 2020, 543,018 missing people were reported in the U.S. And you said Uh, it was 70,000 in Canada? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, so how many people? 543,018. Half a million, seems, over half a million. That seems low, right? Compared to the population difference, it is. It is lower. It's way lower. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the peak in the last most recent memory, it uh, most recently peaked in 1996 with 980,712 people. Wow! Wow! Almost double. Yeah. 
So those reports, and you can you can go to the FBI's website, and, and there's a, a Statista website too that'll be linked in all of our show notes, and you'll be able to see that graph. And those reports of missing people in the U.S. have been really steadily dropping since the late '90s. Hmm. Now, in that same vein, uh, like you were talking about, Nathan, a fair number of these reports are made for young people under age 21. Right. Yep. And it is estimated currently that between 89 and 92% of all people reported missing are eventually found. Mm -hmm. So that all kind of tracks. Um, But for the ones where they, like, you just can't explain it. My, weirdly enough, my story is kind of a combination of uh, the two of yours. We still don't know what happened. But he was eventually located. Unfortunately, it was his remains. So, big spoiler, eventually this guy is found. And I didn't want to, like, lead you through pages and pages of exposition and be like, oh, by the way, he's dead. We're not going to do that. So, <laughs> I I wanted to talk about the story of Jacob Gray. Um, there is a book that has been written very recently. It came out in the middle of last year. It's called The Cold Vanish. Seeking the Missing in North America's Wildlands, and it's by John Billman. I picked this up on a lark, and I wound up just totally ripping through it. So what Billman is doing in the book, he's mostly focusing on Jacob's case. It's a really deep dive into his life, his disappearance, his family. We're going to talk a lot about his dad, Randy, and his like pure love and dedication for his son and trying to find him is just awe-inspiring. But what the author also is doing is interwoven between bits of Jacob's story are other stories of people who have gone missing from remote places in North America, mostly how they've disappeared with no or very few traces, how most have never been found, the people he's talking about, sometimes not even a body for, you know, the families to put to rest. Um, So Jacob Gray was 22 years old and he was originally from Santa Cruz in California and he disappeared in April 2017. So we have a path from when he left to when he was last heard from and where he disappeared and then we have a big gap and that'll be kind of the second part of the story is how his dad searched and searched and searched for him. So uh, Jacob was a really athletic, healthy kid. He grew up in the surfer town in Santa Cruz. He loved water. He and his dad would go out on the beach and go surf. They'd take the dog out. And because he was kind of taking a, uh, like a gap year in his education and just trying to sort out what he wanted to do, he decided that he wanted to travel from the Daniel J. Evans Wilderness in Olympic National Park, which is in Washington, and he was going to bike. This was his big thing. He wanted to do like his own bike road trip. He had a trailer full of camping gear, and he was just going to figure shit out like you do when you're 22 and healthy and the world is your oyster, yada, yada, yada. All of that mm-hmm. stuff. Yes. So he's got this bike that his dad actually won in a raffle at his work. His dad used to build houses and uh, won this bike. And he's got 
his transportation. He's got his little secondhand, um, one of those like kid trailers with the the netting and the flap over it that you can zipper that I always yep. see parents riding around and the kids like in the back being chauffeured. <laughs> <laughs> Except Jacob's using it for camping gear. So he's filled this trailer with pots and pans and wool blankets and duct tape and a toolbox. He's got a Holman Bible with him, a tent, fuel bottles. Like this kid was prepared. He had dehydrated meals for a month, two first aid kits, carabiners, a bow and quiver of arrows, which we'll talk about in a little bit, a rain poncho. He was prepared. He was so prepared that the bike, the trailer, and the supplies weighed more than he did. Oof. Yeah. So this was going to be a haul. Yeah. But he was strong and he was young and he loved water and he didn't mind, you know, the rain that keeps coming down in the Pacific Northwest. And um, this was, he was just ready to do this. Uh, this is where things already start to get strange because he was staying with his grandmother, uh, Wyoma, who lived in Port Townsend, which is just outside the park. And he didn't tell her where he was going. He just took off. So he takes off in the rain in the middle of a torrential downpour sometime in the night of April 4th, 2017. So that's like the last kind of sighting of him that we can track to his family. Two days later, on April 6th, 2017, a woman eventually, well, I mean, obviously retrospectively to the police, tells them that she saw him as he churned up what's known as the Soul Duke Hot Springs Road, about two miles from the main 101 that goes through the National Park. Um, she was kind of headed in the same direction, hiking. And then later that afternoon, she notices that his rig, which you would see from a mile away because it's this skinny kid with this massive bike and trailer. And actually, I can show you um, what Jacob looked like, just so you have that kind of in your head. I have so many files now from this podcast. There he is. <laughs> um, I, you know, he, he looks like somebody you knew, right? Yep. Somebody you worked with or yeah. a neighbor. He kind of reminds me of somebody I went to high school. I was like, okay. Um, so she she spots the, his rig on the side of the road about another four, almost four and a half miles up from where she first saw him. And she got a little curious because it was strange the way it was abandoned. And I have that picture. She was smart enough to take a picture. And this was what she eventually turned over to the park rangers and the police. Jesus. This is, it's eerie. What? Yeah. Yeah. It looks it, like, it, it. you know what it looks like? It looks like an abandoned bike that was stolen. Yep. And ditched. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't even look like it's, it doesn't look like it's in great condition. Just like all of it, it, the whole thing just struck her as odd. And I'm, I'm sure that everyone involved in this was very grateful for her instincts. Um, because then she reported this. She's like, something's weird. It's really bizarre that someone would just do that and dump the bike. 
So why in the world would you abandon this? So she gets in contact with the park rangers. And the uh, park rangers go out. They also notice the bike. It has not moved in several hours since it took time to get out there. It remains untouched. It's in the brush. And um, another ranger had passed the bike earlier, but just figured because he was on his way to another call that the rider had just very quickly saw something in the woods and hopped off and then was going to come right back. And no one really gave it much thought. There's a ton of uh, hikers and touring cyclists who go through the area. So it didn't immediately set off alarm bells, except with this woman who was like, that's not right. So kudos to her for that. Um, Eventually, rangers get really curious about this. And there was an order given to a ranger named John Bowie and his fellow officer, Brian Ray. And they were supposed to follow up on the bike the following morning. So at this point on April 6th, there's no missing person report. And they do eventually uh, do like a real quick search of the surrounding area just to see if maybe he slipped and fell and hit his head or, you know, anything could have happened. No answers at all. So now there's more questions. Why was the bike dumped? It's not a good place to camp. So why would you do this here? And then as they got closer, they realized that something was really bizarre because it looked like someone had been organizing gear. There was a tarp spread out over some of the equipment, like he'd been rearranging his bags and his trailer. He was, uh, at this point, 80 miles from his grandmother's house. He didn't tell anybody where he was going. Oof. Yeah. And then really weirdly, there were four arrows stuck in the ground in an east-west line near the tarp where the gear was being organized. What? Yeah. Like, was he carrying a bow with him? Or? Yeah, he had bow and arrows with okay. him. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's weird. It's weird. So, at this point, no missing person report, weirdness abounds, but the rangers can't really do anything. The way missing persons works in the U.S., a person isn't missing until they're reported missing. And even then, like you were saying, Nathan, going missing isn't a crime. And it's not even really an emergency if the missing person is an adult legally. So with no report um, and the rangers who know this park inside and out, vanished cyclists are really rare. Hikers will go missing and you can look up missing persons reports in uh, Olympic National Park and it is bananas how many people go missing. And then are found like six days later because they slipped down a ravine and weren't you know, expecting it to be super muddy, just it can be a really wild thing. Um, you have a bike that's been untouched for most of a day. And so they follow up on the next day on April 7th. Those two rangers that have been initially on the call, they go out and they start doing that like search grid kind of a thing. They start going out in a really methodical line, trying to check and see what's going on. They even went to the nearby Soul Duke Hot Springs Resort which is in Port Angeles, Washington. No one was staying there under Jacob's name. No one had seen him or seen the bike in that area prior. Um, there was just no answer. And so they eventually wrote in their report later um, that was released after all of this kind of came to light. They said, we'll check the river in the summer when the water goes down. Okay. 
yeah, we're going to get into <clears throat> some police fuck ups here for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, Sounds it's like not, it. it's not great. Um, but at the point they don't have a ton to go on. The tires on the bike weren't flat. I wanted to mention that as well. There was no evidence that there'd been any kind of automobile accident or any malfeasance. His gear was there. They didn't see his wallet. So he probably had it on his person. And then eventually word starts getting around and it gets back to his uh, family because among the belongings that were left with the bike was a list of phone numbers. And one of those numbers belonged to Jacob's sister, Mallory. So one of the rangers calls her and she asks the ranger to call his parents immediately. And from the list of items that his parents suspected he probably would have had with him when he was traveling, they were able to identify that there were only two items missing from the list. This will be very important later. And I was like, damn, okay. Uh, there were two items missing. A camelback backpack, which holds a plastic water container, and a water filter. Interesting. And he was near a river, right? but no one saw anything. So, so they do the whole thing. They search, they photograph the bike, they load up everything and they lock it in a Ranger boathouse. They take a detailed inventory. As soon as Jacob's dad, Randy hears about this, he took off. He threw his wetsuit into his truck. And because the Rangers had told him that the bike had been found near a river, and Randy just had this gut feeling that he was going to need to be searching really swift waters. So he picks up Mallory, the sister, and drives a thousand miles from Santa Cruz straight through. Doesn't stop once. He got pulled over once going 100 miles an hour in Oregon. And when he told the ranger what was going on, the ranger said, I'm not the last cop to not give you a ticket. Just be careful. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so once the family starts getting there, the dad, the sister, um, Jacob's mom, his parents were long divorced by this point. Other friends flew into SeaTac. They drive to the park. And some of these people hadn't seen each other in a while. So this is like the worst situation to be meeting up again. So Randy and Mallory get there on Tuesday, April 11th. And then the mom and one of the cousins, who's an experienced surfer, also gets there about a day later. And the cousin, Danny, and Randy get wetsuited up and they go right into the river. They, they, like, they're not even waiting for the rangers. They're like, no, fuck you. He's missing. We're going. Which I think is so impressive. Uh, they start to do their own search. They were not thrilled with the way that the park officials and the rangers were just kind of like, eh, he's probably fine. It's fine. Legit. I like, yeah, yeah. They're like, no, we're going to find him. So they go out. Randy is busy searching the rivers. He's looking under log jams. He took a machete through brush to start looking. Um, he suffered trench foot from wet socks. He dealt with the cold and the rain and everything going on over the course of many weeks to try to find his son. There were a few attempts to do some volunteer searches. Like on April 12th, there was another search conducted by volunteers in that area where the bike was found. And 
It's amazing to me that the Rangers, huh, they said they searched the same area and yet they didn't find the same things the volunteers did. Um, they eventually recovered uh, some tracks. There was like uh, a set of prints that someone had swapped hiking boots for running shoes. Odd choice in the mud. Mm-hmm. And then they find a mark on a rock that led the volunteers to think that maybe someone had fallen into the river. It was almost like a skid mark and then someone had tried to latch on to that rock and then there was just no trace. So of course, Randy and the cousin go straight into that section of the river and start looking. Didn't find anything. Following day, towards the evening, they eventually get a dog team out. These are cadaver dogs, which are trained to smell for decomp, so they can locate uh, body parts, tissue, blood, bone. They can detect residue scents. They know if a body has been in a place, even if it's not there anymore. And eventually, after all the log jams in the river were searched, which was 12 miles on either side from where Jacob's bike was found, nothing. No trace whatsoever. Just gone. Uh, They searched the west side of the river. They searched further into the park a few days later. That uh, this was another volunteer search, also coordinated by the county search and rescue. And that turns up a pair of shorts in Jacob's size, recovered a few miles further out downstream. They send that off for DNA testing in Seattle. It comes back as Jacob's. But there's just nothing. So he disappeared on April 6th. And on April 16th, the search was scaled almost all the way back. They're just like, well, eh, can't find him. They didn't call in the Coast Guard or any aircraft from the nearby Naval Air Station. And the park rangers reportedly declined the family's team of volunteer searchers as well. What? What the fuck? Yep. I'm about to rip into the rangers, (laughs) because this was bad all the way around. Especially because the dad was out there from day one, doing the hard, hard work and just trying to find his kid. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So while the Rangers are sitting on their thumbs, uh, Randy's out there in the river, just absolutely freezing his ass off. Uh, But remember, Jacob grew up basically in water. He was a really strong swimmer. So it would take hitting your head, getting caught in a log jam, which was why Randy went exactly for those things mm-hmm. where people might get snagged and then bonk their head and drown. So it makes total sense. Um, so after this initial passive search ended, Randy did have to go back to Santa Cruz to close up his business. Oh, my God. Yep. We're also going to talk about Bigfoot here in a little bit. <laughs> okay. That happened. Yeah, that's a thing that happens. So from April until autumn, he commutes back and forth between Santa Cruz, Port Townsend, and the park looking, 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 going the improbable routes. He goes higher into the mountains. They spend hundreds of hours hiking through the snow and through brush. And then eventually, as his 
his possibilities start whittling down, it's gone longer and longer, his search starts to get a little more outward looking. So by that summer, Randy was basically living on the Olympic Peninsula, and he's still looking. He believed Jacob was still alive, and he was determined to find him. So Randy sells the family home in Santa Cruz. He buys a diesel Dodge Dually pickup and a slide-in camper. He buys a folding mountain bike with the kind of like mountain bike tires, the whole thing that's ready for the trail. And he knows where to, um, you know, buy some produce and starts getting the lay of the land, just looking for any reason why his son might have gone missing. He dedicates every bit of his time and his money trying to find Jacob. He searches caves and he eventually goes into other areas of the county and even into Canada. And this is where he bumps into, interestingly enough, a team of Bigfoot researchers who were very, very kind to this poor man. Uh, They're called the Olympic Project, and they welcomed Randy in and assisted with an official search of the surrounding area where Jacob might have been found. And they eventually create the Olympic Mountain Response Team, which is an offshoot that's still around, and it's devoted to responding to missing persons in the mountains. Amazing. Isn't that cool (laughs) To help with shit in like the wilderness. Get the fucking Bigfoot hunters helping you. Get the Bigfoot hunters. Exactly. They know that area. So it it just makes sense. And they they actually were working out of a barn. They invited Randy to stay in the bad weather. He had the camper, but it was raining constantly. So they're like, nah, you can come in here, you can hang out with us, eat food, record things, you can do all kinds of stuff. He it just the book goes into this quite a bit because John Billman, the author, went out with Randy um, many times while he was still searching for Jacob. And the book is written from that perspective in a lot of ways, talking about um, all of the things that Randy did to try to find his son. Here's actually a picture of Randy and John Billman standing on one of the log jams that um, he was searching for. Randy's in the back and the author's in the front there. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And the main article that I took a lot of this from was written by John Billman. It was kind of like the initial article and then it he got more and more invested in the story and went out with Randy and it was yeah, it's an incredible story. So they do all this stuff to look. This search actually nearly kills him. He's bruised all over, he breaks bones. He's living in this tiny little cramped camper. He's doing any of this to find his son. And I, I actually, there's a quote in here from Randy. He says, I didn't plan any of this. Jacob's my buddy. You think I want to be out here searching for my son? We were resting on a massive Western hemlock log, but not long. This was the picture I just sent you all. Randy prefers moving because if he stops, he'll start thinking too much. That's the thing. You know, you think you know, but you don't where Jacob was going, what he was thinking, where is he now? It's like surfing. You have to be fluid and reflexive. If you overthink, you're in trouble. Um, So finding Jacob. Um, Randy actually called John Billman on August 11th, 2018. So it had been about 16 months since he vanished. And in that time, Randy had been in the Olympic Peninsula, in the San Juan Islands, the Gulf Islands of Canada, 
Northern California, Southern British Columbia, the Vancouver Islands, parts of Idaho, most of Oregon and Eastern Washington, and still no trace. And then eventually they find his remains. So on August 10th, 2018, there was a team of biologists who made a trip up into the mountains to study the marmots, and they found Jacob's remains. Of all fucking things. On a ridge above Ho Lake, uh, 5,300 or 5,300 feet above sea level, and at least 15 miles from where he'd left his bike. His body wasn't on a trail, and in April, that terrain would have been just snow and very prone to avalanches. And when the uh, one ranger who'd remained friendly with Randy said, don't go up there, let us do our job, Randy said, nope, that's not going to happen. What do you do? When does a dad stop being a dad? This I almost cried reading this. I was like, oh, God. Um, So... He, Randy goes up there, um, not sure of the exact location, but, you know, he's busting his ass to try to get up this mountain by himself, which is pretty high up there. Um, He missed the rangers who were packing Jacob's remains, but on his way down above Deer Lake, Randy came across other rangers administering CPR to a 29-year-old woman from Iowa who had suffered a cardiac arrest. And he stayed and helped the rangers taking turns with chest compressions. And one of the rangers that was with him had been part of the small team who just brought Jacob off the mountain. And that woman died. Mm. His son's remains were being packed down the mountain and he stopped to help someone else in distress. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they identified Jacob through dental records. And the county coroner's office told John Billman that the official cause of death was inconclusive. Uh, He had a cigarette lighter and insulated clothing and plenty of food with him. And he was also carrying another Bible, which had belonged to his maternal grandfather. Uh, So eventually the remains get sent to the family. Uh, They couldn't do an autopsy and they still indicated that there was no uh, finite cause of death. And the assistant coroner said it was most likely from a natural cause, but the death has been officially ruled as inconclusive. The one guess is that he succumbed to hypothermia, but it's such a catch-all for people who who die in strange circumstances way up in the mountains um, that no one knows. And just a few days after his remains were found, Randy and John and a few other family members hiked up to that spot uh, where he his remains were, and they stumbled across his dad. Stumbles across two human bones. One of them was a finger bone that they believed belonged to Jacob. Uh, and so, rather than bringing it to the authorities, they had a burial on the mountain, and they fashioned a cross of tree limbs tied together with a parachute cord. And I have that. That was what they left. No. That's where it was found. Oh. I know. How, how far was this from the bike? Uh, at least 15 miles. Yes. Yeah. And, and 5,300 feet above sea level. Oh yeah. So the more I started digging into this, um, there have been some theories about 
what had happened. A lot of the family had been talking even before he disappeared about Jacob's mental state. So his parents had divorced four years prior and that had really bothered him and hit him hard. And his mom, Laura, had talked to Jacob a couple of nights before he left for uh, before he left his grandmother's in Port Townsend. And she knew that he was all geared up. He uh, was talking about maybe uh, when he came back doing a cross-country tour to Vermont to see his older brother, Micah, who was stationed there with the U.S. Coast Guard. I want to also note that Micah offered several times to call the Coast Guard in because he fucking was a part of them. And the Rangers were like, nah, we're good. Oh, my God. What the fuck? What the fuck? I know. Well, he could have gotten in big trouble for that, but I'm sure that's no help now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he talked to his mom about, you know, picking up odd jobs along the way, little seasonal work as like a, a farmhand and then, uh, wanted to do all of this, but the going West and North thing is a, a strange choice. Um, but his sister talked a little bit about how he was kind of a, like a really introverted kid who had trouble growing up as far as transitioning into being an adult and he felt really lost. He didn't know what he wanted to do in his life, where he wanted to go. The state of the world was really depressing him. He was probably dealing with, you know, some, some really tough feelings at that point and just dealing with a divorce and everything else that's going on. Um, He turned to his belief in God and the Bible in order to kind of help him through this transition but he was also a little bit like a walkabout. Uh, Jacob had once walked from Santa Cruz to San Francisco just because he felt like walking. Yeah. Uh, and he had actually called his sister Mallory during that walk and said he was hungry. And so she took him some supplies partway there. Just kind of, yeah, it's strange. Yes, like, reincarnated. Yeah, I, I know. When you were talking about... You know, the guy who just kind of wanders off. I was like, oh, wandering man, around I, California. I got one of them, too. Yeah. Yeah. And the family had legitimately be worried that he was showing some signs of like mental health issues. Um, his dad noted that Jacob hadn't been acting like himself and he was uh, kind of blaming the divorce and losing the family home he grew up in as, as possible uh, triggers for some of that. And uh, so to Randy, it, ma- it made sense that Jacob would want to just get out for a little bit and go writing and clear his head. And I mean, he was, he was packed to camp. He was packed to survive in the wilderness and he knew what he was doing. So a little bit on his mental state. And then I also started looking a little bit more closely at what could have maybe helped. Um, At one point early on in the search, the rangers for the park had told the mom, Laura, that they just had so much going on. I mean, it's a place that's 200,000 acres larger than Yosemite, and it sees 4 million visitors a year. They're understaffed. Uh, Nearly two-thirds of their law enforcement personnel have been transferred to other parks and then not replaced due to 2013 budget cuts. Within a week of Jacob's bike being found, there was a plane crash and then another missing person in the park. And they said they just didn't have the bandwidth to do a full-scale search. I get all of that. The way that the national parks operate is probably partially to blame here. 
because they operate like sovereign countries. So search and rescue personnel from outside the park have to be requested by park officials in order to legally search. This is probably why, partially why uh, Jacob's brother didn't call in the Coast Guard himself. Because it would be like touching things that weren't theirs. Um, I'm sorry, but do park, should park rangers have jurisdiction? No, no, no they shouldn't. This is a big not. part of the problem. Uh, yeah, this is a huge part of the problem. Because they're all, it's like how police departments used to operate in the 70s. That's why the Golden State Killer got away for so long as he did, because no one fucking talked to each other. Yeah. This is stupid. <sighs> stupid. It's so stupid. Um, there mm -hmm. were only a couple of dog teams, and it was cadaver dogs. They were not search dogs. So dog teams are almost entirely volunteer. And uh, Randy and Mallory had lined up a willing team to go in, and the park said no. Because they're from a different jurisdiction. Oh, my God. Um, the older brother That's was cool. in the Coast Guard. We yeah. don't have the bandwidth for this, but we're totally not accepting help right now. Right. We don't right. need your help. The family went out of their way. Hey to do anything they could to find their son. And the Rangers is like, I we're good. So yeah, I'm, a, I'm, rip, I'm ripping on the Rangers a little bit because what the fuck? Way to go, Duck uh. Newton. <laughs> <laughs> hey, leave Duck Newton alone. <laughs> you leave that man alone. Okay? He didn't know what he was getting into. <laughs> I'm just trying to understand their like motivation for responding that way. Like, were they just being lazy or? Like I don't think it was lazy. It, if I had to guess from everything that I've read, it was a combination of genuinely being overworked and it not being super priority because people go missing. He's an adult. He probably wandered off. We can't find, we see no blood. We see no evidence of foul play. Mm. What else do you want us to do? Yeah. Let us take people to search the park. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. If the volunteers show up and say, hey, let us search. And they're like, no, we're good. What the? Kidding me? Yeah, like, cool. Okay, you're overworked. Okay, totally get that. I'm going to bring my own people. Just, but like, right. what is the, like, or do they feel like they're responsible for people in the park? Like, I don't understand. I don't either. Are they liable? No. Fuck no. them. Yeah. I, I know. The uh, the Coast Guard actually offered their Port Angeles helicopter, which was a five-minute flight, and they were waved off by park officials. What? Oh, my God. They had a free helicopter. <laughs> it's so frustrating. It's so fucking frustrating. It's like, you like, Everyone else is taking this really seriously. They want to send the Coast Guard. They want to send helicopters. They want to send dogs. Right. And yet, you just don't think, oh, it's, there's, there's a, it's just someone wandered off. Yep. So I, um, when I was looking at this, you know, it was interesting. They were talking about how long he could have survived if he'd fallen into the river. So if he'd fallen into the river, he would have survived for less than 20 minutes in the sub 40 degree water. That's Fahrenheit. Um, if he swam to the far bank and he'd scrambled out, 
he would have been easy. It would have been easy enough to come to the forest service road, which is used by loggers and all kinds of people going in and out of there, not just the Rangers. So he would have been picked up. So there's that too. You know, if you're, if you're freezing cold and you're suffering Mm -hmm. from potential hypothermia, but you're not in that stage where you're going to just wander off and take all your clothes off, he could have, he would have been found. Um, and the only other kind of hints as to why the park service acted this way, um, that there weren't enough clues to allocate more resources to the search. And the chief ranger, Jay Shields, told John Billman, the author of this article and the book, The Cold Vanish, said, it's beyond finding a needle in a haystack. Um, There were no other clues, no claw marks on a root ball downstream that he might have grabbed, no trackers to keep him on the path. And the rangers at that point estimated that Jacobs, uh, you know, he was going to come back. And his search the entire time, and this was probably what did it, if you had to put the blame on anything. The search was termed by the park a passive search, which basically means that resources were not going to be allocated unless new information arose. Yeah, we're just going to look if we're out there. Yep, basically. Yeah. Cool. Yep. So there's a handful of questions that still remain. After all the time that he put into prepping for this bike journey, why would he abandon the bike? Why wouldn't he contact his family uh, like his like he did when he was on his walk to San Francisco? He called his sister and said, hey, I'm hungry. And she was like, "Okay, I'll bring you a sandwich. Why would he not call anyone? Why didn't he tell his grandmother? He left his phone at his grandmother's house. Uh, Yep. Why did he plan and tell people he was going east and then go west and not tell anyone? Why was the bike parked where it was, unlocked, in full view of traffic, with gear laid out? Why were there four arrows stuck in the ground? That's so random. So fucking random. And his family, very sadly, wonders if he could have been found alive if park officials had gotten a helicopter in the air and dogs into the back country within a day or so of finding the abandoned bike. Like, Oh yeah. yeah. It's possible, but also it's like, yeah. 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 And they theorize, I, I think they're, I think they're pretty, pretty right or pretty close to right on this because his remains were found on a treeless Ridge and could have probably been seen from air. Oh my God. Yeah. He could have been, he maybe even been found alive. So people go. Were they able to determine his time of death? Nope. Mm. Inconclusive. Mm. Only uh, identifiable through dental records. It was basically bones at that point. Yeah. Bones and a little bit of his gear. Never found the backpack, never found the water filter that was missing from his stuff. Um, so it's a, it's a really, really sad story. His family has gotten some closure, but there's still too many questions. Um, and the book goes into a lot of it too, uh, you know, as to, to how these searches work a lot more detail than I could ever. I just encourage people to read it because it, it really is, uh, well done and well researched and very, um, very kind and very thoughtful to what the family was going through. 
and because Randy was so open with the author and, and wanting to put Jacob's story out there in hopes that it might better inform people who search for their missing loved ones in the future, which is incredible. I mean, that guy was like so selfless, just, Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So, Mm -hmm. um, I I thought, Oh, I'm going to do the story of Jacob gray and people who go missing in national parks. People go missing in national parks a lot, a lot. Oh my God. This was just one story. I, there were a bunch of other reports of people who largely were found. Like I said earlier, a few days later in the same place, people go missing in national parks a lot. And sometimes they're found. And then other times like, Jacob Gray, it's only remains to give back to the families. And sometimes it's not even that. And I wonder like how much like foul play actually goes on. Or is it just mostly just environmental things that happen? I, oh my gosh, I don't even know. Uh, there were a few other stories. There was one that really haunted me and I'm kind of paraphrasing here. Here's a map so you can kind of see like the area where he went. Mm-hmm missing and everything um the other one that's going to really bother me probably for years and years was the story of a woman who drove up i think this was in it was somewhere in the southwest in the u.s hey my memory of this is shaky but basically her husband reported her missing because she was supposed to just be i can't remember if she was just going up the ridge you could drive up it it's like driving around a mountain going up the ridge to take pictures or to go on a a short hike or something. And then they find her car abandoned door open on the side of the trail. And uh, one guy reported having seen her out there uh, hiking and uh, maybe looking like she was going to go for a run or something. And then just, she's just gone. It's like, what the Mm. shit? Just gone. So, yeah, it was super depressing. <laughs> yeah. God. I know, I know. I but I think what got to me was was Randy's story. He he loved his son so fucking much. And spent so much time did everything you can think of to to try to find uh Jacob and Jacob was just not in a place anyone expected. Yeah. So I was having this conversation with Nathan a couple days ago. And um, do you think for people who are like true crime fans, whether they more lean in favor or like in like favor of police or less than favor of police? Like, do they see them more as heroes or do they see them <laughs> or since there's so many stories that were unsolved because yeah. there was bad. Yeah. I, you know, I look at that cold podcast, right. Yeah. Uh, which has fucked me up permanently. So thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> you did incredible work, but that story fucked me up. Um, about just how many times the police let him get away. Yeah. And saying, we don't have any evidence, we don't have any evidence. I'm sorry, but if she is leaving a handwritten will and says, if you, if I, <laughs> yeah, and if I go missing or something happens to me, you need to look into my husband. Oh my God. Yeah. Are you kidding me? 
which is a whole other story talking about domestic violence. But I think, I think if you listen to, depends on how glorified the story is, right? Yeah. I think if you listen to well-researched things and you look at it with a critical eye, I, I don't see personally how you come down on the side of, oh, the police are fine. We don't need to do anything to fix this shit. Yeah, I'm um, watching Serpent right now on Netflix. <gasps> yes. Super good. Um, oh my god. It's, a, it's about a guy who kills tourists in Thailand. Yep. It's a serial killer. It's great. Um, but yeah, like I was, tell- I was telling Nathan yesterday, it was like the only reason like they got they caught this guy was because like a freaking secretary to the Dutch ambassador wouldn't let it go. Jeez. The police didn't care. None of the other like embassies gave a shit, no matter even though people were just dis- like going missing in Bangkok from their countries. Mm-hmm. Just this like file crossed his desk that was intended for the ambassador, the Dutch ambassador. And he's like, Hey, we've got two missing. We've got two missing Dutch people for that have been missing for two months. And the guy's like, I don't give a fuck. And he's like, okay, I'm going to check it out anyways. Oh my God. Like that's what it came, came down to. It's like the, and the, like, cause the ambassador was like, yeah, it's a cop problem. And he went to talk to the cop and the cops is like, yeah, people go missing all the time. We can't do anything. Right. Right. Oh yeah. The but, response yeah. should never be, Oh, this happens all the time. No. And like I get that it's easy for us to say as people who don't deal with this all the time, like it's easy to become semi, you know, jaded in a way when you hear about the same thing all the time. But also like human lives like everybody I, is somebody somebody. Yeah. 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 It 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 baffles me and it's so frustrating to hear stories like Jacob's or uh, Susan's on the cold podcast or even all of the constant fuck ups during Golden State Killer reign yeah. over decades, fucking decades. Making and it yeah, I, I look at that and I just go, there are so many things wrong with the way that policing is done, which is a whole other conversation that you i don't know how you look at those cases and you go oh yeah they did everything they could no they fucking didn't yeah we're long overdue for a reform in how we handle crime and justice and social services and you know and try to protect people who are vulnerable and need help yeah, I can feel myself like slightly stroking out right now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing about it. I always get the raid. We need a we need a lighter topic next time. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for missing people this week. So go home and hug somebody you love. Hug your dogs. Hug your cats. Hug your. Hug your your peoples you live with and love. <laughs> hug, your, hug your kids. Hug your, hug your wife. Hug your wife. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. You know, just just anybody. And um, oh man, sorry for being a fucking bummer, y'all. Jeez, no, not at all. These are important things to talk about.
Oh my god. <laughs> like a brain cleanse after that. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. And that's it for this week. Next week, I come back with a big update about the Yuba County Five. Were a group of bullies responsible for the men's disappearances? Was Joseph Shans, the man who had a heart attack up in the mountains that same night, involved? Or is a beloved town pastor the cause of everything? As always, all links, sources, and pictures can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com. Do you have an idea for something you want us to cover? Want to tell us that we're wrong or just want to say hi? We now have so many ways for you to do that. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Human Exception, email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com, or come join us on our new Discord server. You can find the link on our contact page. Keep on being exceptional, my humans, and have a great weekend. <laughs>